All right. Welcome back to the Death by Tyranny podcast. Welcome to all the new listeners. This will be the first audio version or audio only version uh, that I am able to have access to to kind of play around and figure out with some of the audio only platforms like Spotify and iTunes. And today we are going to be talking about some kind of insider things happening, some big moves being made by some of the leaders in the dissident right politic arena. And I know it's kind of hard to keep track of these things because a lot of these people are banned from places like Twitter, YouTube, some of the bigger platforms that others have access to. So it's hard to find some of these people, right? Because as soon as they get a following or they do something worth note, they get deleted. They get banished to the outside realms. Fortunately for them, Nicholas J. Fuentes has taken it upon himself to create a platform for streamers that is censorship-free. You just got to kind of, you know, be be a little bit respectful, I guess, is, is what I've heard. But I have seen some people go pretty well off the handles over there, and nothing has ever been said to them. So I believe it's censorship-free over there. But on that topic, Nick has been banned from Twitter for about five months. And here about a couple of days ago, what we're on December 6th, 2021, he was on Elijah Schaefer's show, Slightly Offensive. And he was also on his other channel, You Are Here, with Elijah Schaefer and Sidney Watkins. And they... uh, Nick and Sydney kind of had a little back and forth about women's roles in uh, society and politics. And Nick has come on after the fact and admitted, look, I was trying to troll her. I was trying to stir the pot, but this is what we need in today. We need somebody to kind of go off the beaten path so we can have the conversations that truly matter. You know, why was the Taliban able to get the American regime out of their country, you know, after 20 years with only a little bit of small arms and and some some maybe uh, mountain know-how. And it, it's worth p- pointing out, right? Because nobody else on the right, no, none of the other conservatives were talking about this. You know, it was just death to the Taliban, Taliban's evil, you know. That's all fine and dandy. We agree with that, okay? We're not saying we don't. What we are talking about is is let's look at some of the things they used to their advantage, how they were able to beat off, well, I don't want to say that, you know, that's kind of cringe, but they were able to beat the American military when almost nobody in the world can. Well, uh, let's take a look at how their society and their culture functions. This probably had a big part to play in their ability to defeat the American regime. And anytime anybody brings this up, they the conversation isn't had. It isn't talked about, right? They they just immediately get attacked. You know, you support the Taliban, you're evil, you have no business in politics, you don't know what you're talking about. And the same thing happens with the Israel conversation. As soon as we bring up, you know, hey, we do a little bit too much for Israel, what happens? We get attacked. We get called anti-Semites. Same thing with the multicultural conversation. Multiculturalism being forced down our throats is a bad thing. It's calling uh, causing conflict. So we need <clears throat> we need sorry 
We need to have conversations about these things, and we're just not. And then comes along, here comes along Tucker Carlson bringing up the multiculturalism issue, and he talks about it. And now we have Turning Point USA starting to talk about it a little bit more. Well, why is this? Well, because people like Nicholas J. Fuentes has been talking about it for three or four years now. People like me myself has said, hey, if we keep trying to make these cultures that do not go together uh, forced together, it's going to cause conflict. And not only is it going to con- uh, cause conflict, we have conflict. The conflict has started. The war is hot. It is no longer cold. And how did all this get brought into the mainstream, to Fox News, to TPUSA? Well, it all got started by one person saying the things that he wasn't supposed to say to start the conversations that needed to be had. And then it took three or four years after the fact for those conversations to hit mainstream. And this is what we have right now. What is going on right now in the dissident right and the underground politic arena is Nick is banished from everywhere. Everywhere, yet somehow he is making it onto these Twitter spaces and having conversations with the people who put together the GOP conferences and their sons. And he's being attacked 10 to 1 and still managing to win these fights on Twitter. Not only that, but he, he was interviewed on YouTube, which brings a lot more eyeballs to his, his movement. And the one thing that people keep bringing up the downside of America First is not Nick. It's his followers that, that we're too aggressive, that we are too anti-woman, that we are too anti-this, too anti-whatever, and that we're always on the defense. We never hold people, uh, you know, uh, the, the value of their word. Well, this is because we've been treated like this for a very long time. That's why we start off in this posture to begin with. But another thing is, is when people ask these questions about Nick's following or America First, they're in bad faith as well. They are attacking, you know, hey, we like you, but fuck the Groypers. I mean, when you ask questions like that, yes, you're going to bring up a defensive posture in people when they're answering those questions. And uh, we all know that first impressions mean a lot. So when Sydney's first impression is to attack Nick's following, like we've seen on You Are Here on YouTube, of course Nick's following is going to attack her. Not only that, but if you watch this and break it down and watch the facial expressions on the, uh, the, the show there, she was being very aggressive. She was making mean faces. If you listen to the audio-only version, maybe you didn't pick up on this but there are already memes out there where she's like mugging nick and she keeps asking the same question over and over not letting him answer and you can tell he's kind of just getting fed up and at this point you you almost see a change in his posture where he goes from hey i'm trying to have an intelligent conversation and defend my viewpoints to i'm about to troll this bitch since she's not going to let me speak then i'm gonna have a little bit of fun with it and i'm gonna put her on blast and that's what he did So this starts a conversation on Twitter, and uh, for those of you who have not got to listen, it is on uh, Telegram there, Uh, Nicholas J. Fuentes, or I think it, what is it, t.me slash Nicholas J. Fuentes, he has the Twitter space conversation from 
a couple nights ago after the viewing of these shows on YouTube. And then I have not had the chance to listen to the most recent one. But what happens is, is Nick hears, because these aren't just your everyday people like you and me. These are big, influential young men in the conservative space having a conversation with a lot of uh, listeners on one of the biggest social media platforms talking shit about Nick and his following and America First and the ability that they have to shift the Overton window. Well, whether you like them or not, you can't deny the fact that they are shifting the Overton window. They do have political power and they... It's being noticed. You're seeing conversation, like I said before, on Fox News, on, uh, you know, Charlie Kirk, TPUSA. These conversations are happening now. These people are changing their position on multiculturalism and, and they're not no longer saying that it's about class and not race. They're changing their viewpoints because of uh, what it would have been an 18 year old, you know, a couple of years ago, changing the conversation and staying at it, never giving up every time he was knocked down, every time he was banned, every time he was put on a no fly list. He did not stop. He kept at it and he grew a following that noticed this. And we'll get to that in a little, uh, a hot second from now on why he was able to build that following and why they are so loyal. But so you have these people in this Twitter space. <clears throat> And I forget the one guy's name. He's probably the most uh, influential person person on the the Twitter space. There, he's uh, I think he's Rizzoni's son. You know, a, a a dual citizen that controls a large portion of the GOP. His son is on a Twitter space, and when Nick hears that they're kind of talking about how he doesn't have impact in the political arena, he sends a request, jumps on the the call, and one of the first questions he asks. Mr. Rizzoni's son is, hey, do you, are you a dual citizen? And the guy flat out says, no, I am not a dual citizen. I do not recognize my American citizenship. I am Israel only. And this is somebody's son that has a huge impact in the GOP. This just points to the fact that we aren't bringing up these conversations because we hate anybody. We're bringing up these conversations because they need to happen because they are people in the GOP that have massive amount of influence that are leading things in Israel's favor to America's uh, downfall and nobody's asking about it. And here you have this guy's son on a very viewed Twitter space saying, I don't even recognize my American citizenship. So, and and Nick didn't even poke or prod at this, right? He just asked, hey, are you a dual citizen like your father? And he freely said, "I, I disavow my American citizenship. I mean, this is what we're talking about here. So, now you have, you know, Nick being banned and and shunned from the scene and GOP politics for a long time now, a couple of years, barely has any way to reach out to his following, still manages to be the focus of the conversation. And he asked questions, and in my opinion, whether you think that he was right or wrong, he still controlled that conversation on Twitter. And the one that I have not had a chance to listen to was the most listened to Twitter space that there's been, or, or of that day, I can't remember, 
and the uh, you are here as I think as well as the slightly offensive episode uh, the these shows have picked up a lot of viewership a lot of steam on YouTube in the conservative uh, politic platform arena and that had the best ratings for the last 30 or so shows I think it was the longest slightly offensive Elijah Schaefer had ever done well what's going on here why is all this well it's to say that maybe there is something to this America first movement maybe these questions that he's been asking there's other people out there that want to know the answer to them I know that's why I started following the America first movement was because I wanted to know the answers to these question uh, questions and here it is this uh, young man is you know, has a little bit of a following, is asking the same things that I think about. So, of course, I continue to watch, and the more I see, the more I like, and and I continue to follow. And Nick spoke about this on his uh, America First show tonight. He said, I think the reason why we are so loyal to each other, and that's another thing. You know, he's not saying, hey, you guys are loyal to me. He's saying we are loyal to each other. I could not do this without you. And I think he's being genuine in saying that. I don't think he's doing that just to kind of appease the audience because he's saying, hey, I, I am one of you guys. Uh, and he said it on You're Here. He feels like, <clears throat> you know, he feels like the reason why his following is the way they are is because they've been treated by society the way that he has and he's kind of like a avatar for his listeners so when society takes shots at nick the groipers see it as society taking shots at them and that's why they become defensive and attack people and kind of you know uh, gang up on them or whatever But then he also goes on to say the reason why I think we've made it this far and people are this loyal and the movement only grows is because we're doing something different. And this will bring on the next conversation about Patriot Front. But you've had movements like this, but it's never really been structured the way America First is. You've had movements with the... Richard Spencer and some of these kind of like wignat movements that that try to do like this group thing or this gang thing and everybody wear the same clothes and carry the tiki torches and this just doesn't work. It, we've seen this in Charlottesville. We've seen once you get too many people in one one place uh, <clears throat> acting the same thing that they are infiltrated with feds. So what if we just had one guy? saying his message, and then just people who listened and went off and did their own thing and and continued to spread the message, but never claimed any kind of gang, never wore any kind of outfit to signal their loyalty to this movement. And this is kind of the way America First is structured. Yes, it has a leader, but, but what is he leading, really, other than an idea? And the biggest reason why this works is because The message that he is trying to spread is a message of Christ. It is a a message of Christianity. And not only that, but it's not just the good things about Christianity. You have a lot of Christians 
in today's society that try to take advantage of just the good things about Christianity. You have them, you know, they'll they'll go for uh, the friendship or to meet a, a girl or to uh, look good to their neighborhood or their community. They will go to maybe take in part some of the charities that are involved and even the ones that are, are more righteous than that. The ones that go because they think if they follow Christ, it will make their lives better. Well, if you go into it with that mindset that you're only doing it so Christ makes your life better, I mean, of course, is this a side effect of being a Christian? Absolutely. But it should not be the reason you want to be a Christian. You should want to be a Christian because you believe as Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, and he sacrificed himself for our sins, and he is the only true pathway to heaven. But here on earth, you should not be uh, becoming a Christian or going to church because you believe it will benefit you in your daily life. It will not bring you a better job, a better car, better income, you know, keep your family together. This is not the reason why you should be going to church to begin with. And and <clears throat> this is what Nick is talking about. He is saying, hey, we are the true Christians. We are not here to just kind of take advantage of the good things about Christianity. No, we're not here for that. We are here to pick up the sword and to divide. And he spoke about this in the You Are Here show, you know, where he said, Jesus Christ himself said, I'm here with a sword. I I come to divide. I will break up families. Uh, And and this is interesting because I think it, it... it resonates with a lot of people. A lot of people have been led down a dark path, and of course they want to be put on the right path. And of course they would like a better life, a better lifestyle, and for only good things to come to them. But they aren't reaching for just the good. They reach for the sword. They know that the path that they walk will come at great sacrifice. And this is something that today's society especially in America, people are just not willing to do. Sacrifice. Why is divorce at an all-time high? Because people are not willing to sacrifice for the betterment of their family. Why is Christianity slowly dwindling? Because nobody is willing to sacrifice. Nobody is willing to genuinely stop sinning and live like Christ. Why is suicide at an all-time high? Because nobody was willing to sacrifice so their lives would then be enriched with the good things about life and they, they just give up. They, they decide not to sacrifice any longer. Why is gun violence at an all-time high? Why is robbery at an all-time high? Well, there's a lot of reasons for that, of course. But when you really get down to it, it's because these people are not willing to sacrifice going to work every day and to provide for their family and be the leader of their homes. It's all about sacrifice. So when Nick says he believes that his followers are so loyal and that are called to him, even though he has been banished and put in this box in this corner where he is allowed none of the privileges as mainstream conservatives are, it is because he did not reach for the good things. He reached for the bad. And with his other hand, he picked up the sword and began to sacrifice. 
and 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 I think that's a very good way to put it. I think it not only is a good way to put it, but I think that should bring a little bit more respect to Nick's name and his message. And it's a good thing that tonight was his first episode back from uh, America First since he was absent last week because he had to drive all the ways down to Texas from Chicago to be on these shows. But this was probably the show that all of those new viewers tuned in to watch. And so they're going to hear him talk about not just the good things about Christianity, because we can go anywhere and hear that from fellow Christians. You know, why should I become a Christian? Well, because Jesus will enrich your life and lead you down a righteous path. Most Christians will tell you this. What a lot of Christians will not tell you is, hey, there will be sacrifice that you have to make. You will have to pick up a sword and be able to fight these demons back. It is not always going to be a peaceful fight. This is just something that I think has come to the detriment of Christianity in the uh, 2020s now. You, we, are, we are some of the most prosecuted people in America. You know, If you are a white male, uh, straight Christian, the system is against you. And to go at it with this idea that it's going to be peaceful and joyful and only good things will come your way after you become this white male straight Christian it is kind of, uh, <clears throat> it's kind of naive, really. So you, you need to find those Christians that have begun to fight, those Christians that are willing to sacrifice, and not just take on some of the good things about Christianity. So I think it was a very good show tonight, and I, I think he, he knew that there was going to be some new viewers. And then right after you know the show or before the show, he goes back into this Twitter space and is attacked. And this is one of the biggest Twitter spaces that has happened since uh, Twitter kind of enacted uh, these things to go on. So it's going to bring even more people. Yet, in this conversation, you have people talking about you have no influence, you have no power, the things you say nobody believes in. Well, if that's the case, how come everywhere he goes is getting more viewerships, getting more listens, uh, getting more eyeballs brought to Cozy.TV to hear Nick speak? If he truly has no influence to shift the Overton window or to reach out to Christians and say, hey, this will be a fight. We, we are truly in a time where it is no longer peaceful to be a Christian in America today, and if you're not willing to accept that, you will fail. And, of course, you're going to have the, these kind of criticisms come from a apparently only Israel citizen that is living in America, using his privileges from his high-ranking family in the GOP, which is also a dual citizen, of course. Of course you are, because they, they, they do not see all of the prosecution uh, from the American regime towards white, straight Christian males. They only see it from the viewpoint that they're Republican and maybe a little bit conservative. But at the end of the day, they still wield a lot of the power and money in the GOP. 
So in my opinion, it almost makes their their criticisms null and void. I do hear the criticism of uh, Nick's following. I have seen this myself where maybe some of the people might get a, a little out of line uh, uh, attacking people or maybe even bullying a little bit. But you also need that too, right? We, we, we didn't say it was going to be peaceful. You you and, and not only that, but because of the way America First is structured in the movement, yes, Nick can control the things he says, but he can't control how you hear them. And he also can't see everybody who, who views his stuff. If he could do that, I promise you he would deny access to some of the uh, creditors and uh uh, bank processors and some of the ADL and some of this uh, uh, Jewish censorship uh, type of departments that, that that work with the government to censor some of these ideas. I'm sure he would block these people from being able to see his stuff because then they wouldn't know what he was doing. So I truly do not think he is able to see who views and listens to everything he has to say. And even if he could control that on Cozy.TV, do you know how many times he's been clipped or retweeted of conversation that he's had on his show that, that he has no control of uh, where it goes? And, and to prove this point, after this Twitter space conversation happens with all of these people, you have uh, Twitter coming out and banning not only uh, Nick's burner account, but anybody and everybody who agreed with them. It was literally a uh, groiper genocide on Twitter after this Twitter space. It was kind of funny. On Twitter, you had Nick. He posted where where Yoda fills all the young Jedis dying, and he fills it in his bones. He posted that on Twitter, and and it has a lot of uh, resemblance of what happened, right? You know, Nick comes uh, speaking his truth and his message. He has his supporters and the uh, fighters of the cause come to defend him and back him up. And what happens... Twitter uh, just totally banishes all of these accounts in one fail swoop. And, and, and it was Nick's way of saying, hey, I, I, I felt it, right? Uh, it sucks that you guys got banned. I know how much influence Twitter has, but just know that I see you. He also went on to say, I'm on Gab. Come follow me on Gab. And if you were banned tonight because of the things that we were doing, uh, you know, Make a comment with your Gab account, and I'll I'll, I'll re uh, re well, it wouldn't be retweeted out, but you know, resend it out so people see you and they know what you've done. You've sacrificed your Twitter to back me, and hopefully that will bring you some uh, followers here on Gab, right? So he acknowledged that there was a sacrifice that was made, not only by him but his followers, and he's trying to help them out in any way that he can. And while we're on that note, Gab is, I I get it, Gab is a great place for conservatives, but understand that does not mean that it's a great place for some of the conservatives on the dissident right. It's just not. Uh, The same conversations that Nick has that sets off the uh, Israel lobby and some of the mainstream conservatives those people, that, that's pretty much what Gab is made up of. All these boomers with all these libertarian ideas. So anytime Nick gets a little bit of a um, 
momentum going on Gab, you know, everybody starts attacking him. So we should all go over there and back him up on that. And hopefully he won't get banned from Gab, at least. I would hope not. And, uh, yeah, so that's just another instance where he, he notices his his loyalty from his fans and that he's willing to acknowledge it, but not only acknowledge it, to do something about it. And so this is all the things that's going on and kind of the dissident right, uh, the conversations that a lot of you don't pay attention to, right? You pay attention to the Daily Wire and to the Fox News. That's not what we're here for. I'm here to show you that the way of the conservative, the way of the Republican Party, the way of Trumpism with Trump is going is, is a year or two behind the curve, and uh, hopefully you guys, guys kind of picked up on that from the previous conversation where I said the things that are changing now, Nick was saying years ago and was banished for. And now the mainstream says these things and it's okay. Well, well, somebody had to start that conversation. Well, I, all I'm doing is trying to come to some of these uh, normie conservatives, boomers, uh, gab type of uh, following and say, hey, this is the conversation that's happening now that will have great impact later. And this was uh, another thing they talked about in this Twitter space was, you guys don't have a lot of political impact. And Nick said, no, 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 that's not true. Look at how Charlie Kirk, uh, Tucker Carlson have changed their viewpoints They've changed their viewpoints because somebody started that conversation before them. These are things that we've been saying for years. And not only that, <clears throat> but when it comes to saying that the conservative party really has to take a hold of this white identity, and it's not to say to be racist or to hate any other race or cultures. That's not it. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is look at the Democrats, okay? It, you cannot say that it does not work because it is working massively in the Democrats' favor. When Democrats notice and appease these black people that feel like they are being, uh, you know, stomped out by the system, and they acknowledge that that BLM is good and and righteous, all of those people then turn out to vote. And then the people that are not black, that, that do not agree with conservative values, see how much loyalty the Democrats are giving to BLM, and they want to be a part of that. So they decide to uh, follow them as well and show them loyalty. Uh, it's a, it, Just like Antifa jumping on the BLM's uh, bandwagon, this is because Antifa sees how loyal the Democrat Party is to BLM. And then you have these asshole, you know, uh, uh, Israelite uh, conservatives coming out and saying this white ideal, uh, th this uh, pandering to, to whiteness, it will never work in the political arena. Yes, it will. It already is. And if we're going to do that, if we're going to recognize uh, identity politics and how much that it is against the white man right now, now's the time to do it. Why? Well, because white people are the majority. And in this uh, Twitter uh, room or whatever, they, they talk about, well, 50 years from now, whites won't be the majority. Okay. Well, 
to, to stop that, to slow it down, the way you do that is you reach out to the white people and let them know and say, I hear you, I see you, just like the Democrats do to BLM, the Republicans should be doing to the white working class. Why did Trump win in 2016? He won because he reached out to the white working class. Did he win because of the 7% of black people that voted for Trump? Hell no, not even close. He won because the white working class showed up in forces, some forces that have never been seen before, some people that have been old enough to vote but have never voted before, heard it, felt it, felt the calling that, hey, here this guy gets it. He sees that I am struggling, but not only that I'm struggling, I'm struggling because people are attacking my whiteness and and, uh, the lower uh, middle class type of white people. And, And I've said this before on my show. Hey, and it's not an original thought. Don't don't think that I'm stealing this thought from somebody because I absolutely am stealing it. Uh, I shouldn't have said that, I guess. But but yes, it's not an original thought. Nick has said this before amongst other people. The first that well, not the first, but the next president to run as a Republican that comes out and really pushes this idea of white identity and fighting against this anti-white narrative is going to win with a landslide. Because white people are the majority, the majority of white people feel this, see this, know what's going on. So if a president is able to recognize that and run on that, nowhere in there did I say banish all the black people or all the Jewish people. No, there are other policies that will help them. Trump helped the unemployment rates for black people more than any other president ever had. But he didn't do that by pandering to black people. So only imagine if he would have made it more prominent that he sees this anti-whiteness going on, that he sees the Democrats appeasing BLM and that BLM is a terrorist organization. Imagine if he had that more on the forefront at the beginning of his presidency in 2016 to talk and be aware of CRT. And now he has the foresight to see the globalists are really taking advantage of this pandemic. It's not brand new to him. So if he comes in and he speaks about this anti-whiteness and the uh, destruction of the middle class because the globalists are taking advantage of the pandemic and the fact that CRT is being pushed in our schools, if he does this while embodying the spirit of the white identity, he will destroy in the next election. It, it, it is a numbers game to some extent, and this will bring some more of the, the white libertarians that, that seen that their view really didn't have any good impact. If anything, they had a negative impact, and if they do not vote for the right candidate this next time, they will be punished by another term of Joe Biden. And they have seen in the first nine, you know, 11 months of Joe Biden that things can get very bad very quickly. And, of course, you know, this uh, Israeli citizen that has denounced his American citizenship comes to say, hey, 50 years from now, this idea of white identity, it will be irrelevant because the white people will not no longer be a majority and it will only be viewed in a negative light. This is not how Americans see things. I don't believe that. And I don't think Nick believes that either. Almost every single white person that I talk to today will at least acknowledge that there is some kind of anti-white narrative happening. And if any of those people have children, 
They don't want that for their children. They don't want that to grow. And over the next three years of Joe Biden, that anti-white narrative will grow. You will see more terrorist attacks like what happened in Wisconsin. You will see more Twitter spaces from BLM and the Black Hammer and the, the, the Black Nation of Islam speak out against white people and promote the white genocide and the white displacement. You will see more of this. Why 50 years from now will white people not be the majority when we have such a majority now? It, it, it's not going to happen on its own. It's going to happen by mass illegal immigration. It's going to happen by some of these uh, bigger terrorist attacks. It's going to happen by the white people being isolated out. It's not going to naturally happen. Because if it was going to naturally happen, it, it would be doing more of a percentage year to year. But for whatever reason, when you have a Democrat in office that pushes this agenda and this idea, starting with Obama, and it's why I have such an issue with Obama, I truly believe he was the starter. If the, if you want to acknowledge that there is this racial division, I truly believe that the time that it hit the mainstream and was pushed by a president was Obama. Anyways, you, you, you see this have a great spike when the Democrats are in office or have any uh, opportunity to wield any kind of significant power. And the only way we're going to overcome this, the only way that we're going to fight back and, and make this anti-white narrative no longer an issue that affects uh, white people and the children that are growing up that are white is going to be to stop it before it's unstoppable. And they have a lot of power right now. And the conservatives coming out and saying there is no anti-white narrative, just shut up and, and sit down, right? You're the same people that say we don't shill for Israel. You're the same people saying that multiculturalism isn't an issue. Well, this is acknowledged on both sides. Democrats and Republicans are both talking about how the United States may break up whether you agree with it or not. I don't agree with it. I don't think we should give up anything. I think the people that want to break up the states from the United States and what it is in the Constitution should be kicked the fuck out. I don't think we should give up what we have built. This is just more appeasing to the left, more appeasing to the progressives, and we should absolutely not give anything else because we've already given so much. And that's when we get into the radical conversation. Yes, we might be uh, viewed as a little radical right now, but that's because we have no other choice. We're running out of time. It's not getting any better. It's only getting heaps and heaps worse. And the only way to combat this or to regain ground that we have lost is to be aggressive, to go hard in the motherfucking paint, if you will. This is just what has to happen. I, I've said it multiple times now that the only person that is going to stop a bad person with power is a good person with power. We acknowledge this when it comes to a gun and other things, but for whatever reason decide to not acknowledge this when it comes to government because you have too many libertarians that want to get on this. Let's just dismantle it all and see where the ashes fall of the United States. Well, the establishment and the federal government is corrupt. There are still things there worth saving. It just has to be the right people in power to save those good things and to rebuild the things that are being used against us, to 
make big give, uh, government smaller. We have to have the right people in there that are willing to wield their power, <clears throat> willing to wield their power to rebuild the United States. Uh, United States and use some of that government federal power to do some things that a lot of people probably aren't going to like but have to be done we're only viewed as radical because most people don't see this right now but it goes back to the conversation of somebody having this conversation three years prior and now it being mainstream well this will be mainstream two or three years from now because you've seen what happens in 11 months of joe biden i'm sure you can only imagine what happens in a full term of joe biden how bad things will get how bad white people will be attacked in their own country and only then will this radical idea of using conservative power to take back America, only then will it sound appealing to these libertarians. I mean, to me, it just doesn't make any sense. You have a, a, tyrannal, a tyrannical government destroying the country, using their power to punish their political enemy every chance they get, and you have these conservatives, these people pushing Trumpism without Trump, saying, hey, if we get power, we're going to not use it. We're going to give you all and every freedom that you want. And then <clears throat> and then we get another Democrat in office. Do, do they have that same mindset? No. They have the mindset that they have had for centuries now, and it is to, or well, not centuries, but decades, to punish their political enemy, to take as much ground as they possibly can, and then the cycle goes on and on and on. Until we get somebody like Trump that says, fuck this, build a wall, we're making our national security top priority, we're going to get rid of all this uh, country's debt, we're going to turn unemployment rates around, we're going to do good and great things for this country nowhere in there did he talk about hey we're just gonna let everybody do what they want to do everybody go do what makes them feel good no that's not going to cut it and the fact that we have a tyrannical government in power right now if you yank the rug out from underneath them with no one to go in and fill that power vacuum you are going to have chaos and I understand that the libertarians and the anarchists want this, but do you realize how many people will die if something like that were to happen? Do you realize the wars internally that would spark in America? You would have race wars. You would have whole cities of black and white people fighting each other to the death in the middle of the street. And there would be no federal government to say, hey, knock it off. Stop. This isn't good for, for America. It's not good for both of your people. We need someone in power to disperse what we need to do to bring this country back. And this, this no government idea just isn't going to cut it. In fact, there's an argument to be made that maybe we should have a president for the span of 10, you know, 15 years. Someone who starts with a vision and is able to carry out that vision. Because this idea that people have four years and then someone new comes in, a lot of those times we've seen people with great ideas never even get to enact those ideas. Never even get to bring this to Congress. The American people never even 
uh, see the vision completely, 100%, as it is. So if you want to talk about getting rid of the federal government, okay, maybe be open to the idea that we just need to change things about the federal government. How about instead of throwing uh, our, our youth and our children to the wind and starting this big chaotic war that will happen if you get rid of the federal government, no matter who is in power, this is what will happen. You cannot deny that. Look at Afghanistan. You, you, you cut the head off the snake, right? And then you pull out with no power structure and, and the snake comes back alive except for with three heads this time and everything is in chaos and you, you have to ship mass amount of people out of the country. That's on a very small scale. So imagine if something like that were to happen in the United States. So maybe we should just change the idea of federal government. Maybe we should just you know, uh, uh, slightly adjust some of the things that the federal government does, some of the terms. When you talk about people uh, giving more power to the states, this is a good thing. This can be part of the conversation, okay? But as far as the federal government goes, there is still a purpose for it. If you take that out of the equation, you will have a power vacuum. There will always be someone that takes advantage of this. I brought it up in the last episode. It as much as I don't like the walking dead, you're going to see that kind of uh, society where sure you might have millions and millions of people that just want to live free and leave everyone alone and and only do what makes them feel good. But you're also going to have millions and millions of people that want to take advantage of the other millions and millions of people. It's just going to happen. And then wars are going to break out. And then you're going to have these aggressive, power-hungry people fighting these free, loving people. And it's going to be a slaughter. So I, I disavow your anarchical uh, views. I disavow this libertarian, get rid of the federal government 100%. I, I don't think it brings anything except for uh, cold bodies. And the people that, that, you know, I don't like kings either, okay? I'm not saying to have a king for eternity. I'm just saying maybe we need somebody who is willing to do what needs to be done in power long enough to at least get us back to a functioning society because we don't even have that anymore. There are talks, again, about lockdowns. And when it comes to lockdowns, And these people that say, follow the science, we have to follow the science. This is what the science tells us. You know, you got Fauci going, I am the science. Listen, you guys don't care about science. If you did, you would be looking at the opposing factors of herd immunity, of natural immunity. You would be looking at the negative consequences to the vaccine. You would be looking at the negative consequences of the lockdown instead of saying, hey, I think that that more of the youth is smoking marijuana and this is causing heart issues. The youth has been smoking marijuana in a large amount for a long time. We've never seen heart issues in young people like we have the last year. And maybe it's not due to the vaccine. Maybe it's due to the stress. Uh, but even if, and, and that's what they're saying now, right? This cause of this PPSD is causing young people to have heart issues and have heart attacks and, and to be dying in, in the spans of millions of people. 
But if that's the case, if they're dying from stress and all of this, we, we have had life stress for a long time. We have had, you know, people go through divorce, car crashes, uh, handicappedness, uh, disease, all of these things. We have had it before. But we have never had a lockdown like we have seen in the last year for, for a while now. And with this uh, on top of people being addicted to their phones and social media and no longer going out to the parks and meeting people in person, maybe the lockdowns had a negative effect. Maybe the lockdowns played a huge impactive role on bringing these heart issues to the American youth and people. But they're not looking at that. They're not doing studies like that. In fact, they're talking about the opposite. They're talking about bringing the lockdowns back. So this is something we need to be aware of. This is something we need to keep an eye on. I've, I've talked about it before where I've said, you know, uh, depression is at an all-time high. Uh, in some places, I have to be careful what I say, but I think you guys know what I'm getting at and what causes this, um, the levels of depression and anxiety to be at the levels that they are right now that we've never seen in women and in our youth. I think you guys know what I'm getting at and what causes that. So that's another thing to be mindful of, just a little bit off topic. And I do have to get off of here very soon. My children will be waking up and getting ready for school. I appreciate anybody and everybody who took a listen. Like I said, we're going to try to get this on an audio-only version platform, at least one of them, to kind of see how things go. But before I get out of here, I... For anybody who's seen it and may want to send me, because I appreciate when people send me things, I, I see you. You know, I see when you say that, you know, the, the military, this is why we should support it. I, I seen it. I seen it, big dog. But uh, the military has lost a lot of support. In all the polls that have been shown, it has went from something like 85% of people in the United States supporting the military down to... 50%. It's not just uh, people like me. You know, I, I support the military. I support our troops. I just don't support the generals. I don't support the president. And the direction they're leading the military down, I think, is very uh, negative and will have a huge consequence down the road, especially if we were to get into a foreign war with one of these bigger powers like China or Russia. But that that's off topic as well. Uh, the thing I, that I want to talk about before I get emails and DMs about it is the Patriot Front. We've seen this big uh, group of young men meet. Well, they're probably not all young, probably more so the boomer X generation, maybe some millennials. They all dress up the same, and we touched on this a little bit earlier. They all dressed up in the same outfits with these kind of like riot shields and went to Washington, and they really didn't have a purpose to me, and I think a lot of other people noticed this as well. They weren't really, you know, fighting against one cause. They were more so saying, look at us, we have a presence, and kind of wanting to use that for people to notice them and to maybe want to join them, which is kind of only uh, self-developing. It, it's not really helping anybody at home you know, that, that suffers from this isolated uh, society that we live in. It's not helping the people that are facing uh, being fired due to the vaccination. There is no real cause 
that was there. It was more just kind of a power flex. And a lot of people in the conservative movement, even mainstream people, you know, Salty Cracker, the list goes on, comes out and speaks about this and says, yeah, there's probably some feds and some FBI agents that infiltrated that and that was the only reason they were able to bring that amount of people to Washington, D.C. And I've heard other people in the dissident right talk about it. And I wanted to wait before I, I spoke out on it to, to really try to get some some insider info on it, a little bit more insight other than just what was optically able to be seen there. And from what I heard, the leader of this group isn't that bad. It's it's left over from a group that was, it was like Valkyrie or something. Uh, they were around during Charlottesville, and they went through, you know, the legal battles of Charlottesville, and they kind of disband, and this was kind of what was left over. And, and some of their leaders there do have a good heart and, you know, want good things for the conservative movement. But their vetting process isn't very well. Uh, it doesn't keep out some of the things that they'd want to keep out. They have been attacked by Antifa. They have been able to be infiltrated by Antifa. So it's very likely that there are federal agents that are in Patriot Front. The only And I can't say for sure, right? But the only thing I can say is what I've said amongst other people. When it comes to a movement, you can be a part of a movement. You can speak out. You can speak your mind. You can start a podcast. Say what you feel. Try to shift that Overton window. But as far as meeting people in Washington, D.C., all dressed the same with riot shields, marching towards the White House, that's probably not a good idea for right now. You might want to, uh, in the words of uh, uh, the great as that was on Beards and Beardley's, uh, uh, Beardley's stream said you need to hide your power bar for now that's not going to bring anything good on the conservatives it's only going to bring more censorship and more ability for the fbi to kind of infiltrate the younger generation that do have you know good purpose and a good cause but they're just being caught up in some of these things that aren't very uh smartly being used right now so you know pay attention just kind of assess the situation from afar. You can find a good movement. You can stay in the know. But I wouldn't be going to Washington, D.C. and uh, going full kit mode just yet, guys. I'd really stick away, uh, stay away from anything and everything that even remotely looked like that. It's just not a good idea right now with uh, January 6th only being less than a year away. Uh, so... With that said, I do have to jump off here, guys. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Thank you for being here at the Death by Tyranny podcast. It will officially be a podcast if I can figure out how to upload it to the audio-only versions. All the people who support me, stay prepared. Put God first, America first. I love you guys. Peace, y'all.